Uh, my guest is a, is a paradox. He's a he's a man lost in a city with which he is unaccountably intimate. He's a, he's a sampler of its incidentals, the little the little third spaces that I think feed our social souls. The the passing nod, an overheard murmur, a, 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 a smile, a wry glance on the on the tram, which gives away the location. Although Sydney has them too, of course. We are talking about Melbourne in part, um, and Oslo Davis. And Oslo is a a student, a student of life, and a student of, of observation of lives. He's an illustrator and artist. His overheard cartoons have propelled him to a certain national notoriety. Uh, yeah, he's cut out this space uh, for for. A purposeful rendering of eavesdroppings into something which is ongoingly delightful. He has a new book. It is called Oslo's Melbourne. Hello, Oslo. Hello, Jonathan. What do you think of Melbourne, really? I think it's often overrated. It has some great parts to it, but I think people can tend to go on about it too much. You, however, I mean, you've, you've, you've developed, I think that's probably true, <laughs> it, it, perhaps there's a, a, a fundamental insecurity at, at the core of that. Well, second city, cultural capital, sporting capital, I don't know what Melbourne is anymore, most livable city. There's all these uh, names that we've put on this place. And it's all usually in relation to other cities, isn't it? <laughs> well, this, and this is the interesting thing about the way in which you approach this city, that I think it's a, uh, it, it's a way of being in an urban space. You know, it's not necessarily about here, because urban spaces have a lot of similar characteristics that make what you do, your kind of observation, possible. Well, I think I, if I lived in Sydney, if I lived in Perth, if I lived in Istanbul, I'd be doing the same thing. Mm. I would be engaging with the world around me in these cities in, in a similar kind of way. And it's not a way that many of us do it, perhaps not as consciously as you do. Well, it pays the bills for me to go out and <laughs> listen to people say their things, perhaps listening in illegally. I don't know what the law is these days, but I get out into the city, I sit on a park bench, probably too close to a stranger and lean in to overhear their conversation. They're having hands free with somebody. Has that ever brought you grief? <laughs> well, you know, everyone would know this. As soon as you hear something delicious, the closer you get, the quieter they get. Because <laughs> even if they're not looking at you, they can sense you. And you've got to find that Perfect balance. To I'm, I'm thinking that for a man of your <laughs> proclivities, the mobile phone has been a godsend. <laughs> well, everyone, with those earbuds, everyone's talking now. I thought it would have been the death of overhearing. You know, once upon a time, public transport was the place to overhear people because we talked to people on public transport, strangers. We chatted with somebody. Mm. And I thought, oh, everyone's on their phones now. But in fact, People are still talking. <laughs> the nice thing about overhearing is that it, it, you formalise something that we have an awareness of, that we are, we are in that realm as we move around our urban spaces. And here you are documenting that for us, holding that up to the light, you know, showing us about something about the way in which, yeah, we all, we all move around this place. And overhearing is such an indicator of 
so much more. You might only hear a sentence or a, a quick snippet, but already... Do you extrapolate when you hear those? Oh, Do you definitely. create a, a world? I assume so much. You know, <laughs> <laughs> this person's, you know, in the middle of a divorce or, or this person, you know, has some medical issue or this person has... Uh, issues with their children and need to resolve some legal thing, or it's banal, they, they can't decide whether to buy non-fat milk or normal milk. It's it, There's all these things in the background. Just do the spaces of the city create different, I was going to say different contexts, but that's not quite right. I mean, obviously they do, but do they, they create places in which people feel uh, an ease to be intimate? Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you line up to buy a ticket at the cinema, which admittedly not many of us do these days compared to the past. But the cinema queue is a delicious time to hear an overheard. People are happy, they're excited, they're out with friends or a date, they're up, and they kind of couldn't care less who hears what they I'm, have to say. I'm immediately thinking of the Woody Allen, <laughs> yeah. Marshall McLuhan moment. In, in the line. <laughs> yes. yeah. You know nothing of my work. Yeah. Well, that's it. And that, that's so true. Bookshops too. I mean, if ever you want to hear some overhearing, um, just go into the kids section of a busy bookshop and you'll hear parents say things that they would not, you know, normally say in, in normal civilised life. Which is revelatory <laughs> of, of the city, revelatory of the urban experience that it, it is constantly creating intimacies despite its its bigness and it you know it's apparently the, the the obverse of that it's apparently a soulless place of generality but really it's creating all these little pockets oh they're all they you think of the city having all these little pockets or bubbles uh, floating around and within these bubbles are these amazing worlds that people you know uh, inhabit uh, just floating around at the football or at the art gallery, these little spots where people engage in a very different way to how people might engage in other parts of the city. So is the city the, the city or is the city the people within the city? Yeah, well, I mean, I would say it's the people, definitely. This, this, these park benches and these cinemas are all just uh, fabrications or stages for us to do our little do, dance. Do you have a favourite <laughs> park bench? Is there a place that we would find you constantly lurking? Well, you could find me lurking uh, in, in those places that I mentioned before, but, I mean, any shopping mall, um, you know, and I don't mind going into those, those terrible places uh, and to eavesdrop, sitting outside waiting for my wife to come out of the fruit and veg shop, uh, you know, I'll pick up six or seven overheards. I suspect it's it's like being becoming a bird watcher, you know, for most people <laughs> until they train themselves through, you know, pattern recognition to see certain things in nature. If I imagine there would have been a time when you didn't overhear much and well, then, yeah. then you taught yourself to listen to that. Well, that's it. And I, I think I've developed an ear to find an overheard that will be good. So, for example... I might hear someone talking on their phone and it's a fairly innocuous conversation, but I know it's going to get juicy. So I might, <laughs> I might trail that person for a couple of blocks and so I can get the, so I can get the meat. <laughs> the, the book documents the, the, the time of our recent difficulty in trauma, the pandemic. Yeah, it does. Um, there was a great little project I worked on uh, for someone. Uh, we did some t-shirts to raise some money for Beyond Blue, 
and someone called it Locktown, um, <laughs> no, relabeling Melbourne as Locktown. And I just thought, yeah, that was really nice. And I drew a picture of Flinders Street Station covered in trees, just kind of like the end of days, um, Planet of the Apes kind of uh, <laughs> vines running over the city. <laughs> what, what, what did it do to you? I mean, Melbourne, for those who, who don't realise it, had a succession of, of, of lockdown periods. I mean, for a man like yourself, and you you know, there, there's, there's an element of the flaneur uh, about you, Oslo. Um, yeah, and I, and I couldn't... Flaneur, if that's a flan. I couldn't flan, is that the <laughs> Yeah, it was tricky. There were still places within the five kilometres or so on the, on the river trail or we could still go shopping. It was just a bit trickier to work out who was speaking underneath the, the face masks. Well, yeah, that, that is, yes. <laughs> and, and also to detect what they were saying, which some people are talking like that, which is awkward. It made a certain level of uh, <laughs> difficulty. But, um, yeah, it was fun. I mean, I had to find other projects and came up with different things. Were the conversations the same? Um, was, there, was there a shift in the tenor? There was less talk, for sure. There was less of a freedom or a just a, a kind of a... Uh, you know, a love of life or, you know, extrapolating on different topics and uh, going going for it in a conversation. Everyone was sneaking out of their house, getting what they needed and then scuttling back in. Uh, so there was definitely a different tone. And then there was, of course, the, the Prague Spring of our emergence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I walked through the city today and it's, it's, it's alive. It's the spring... You know, the darling buds of May, or in, in November at least, it's it's really sort of exploding out there. Have you ever taken your, your observational skills, you know, into into regional Australia, into smaller places? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm wondering what the, how, how that sort of... <laughs> are people more loquacious in a smaller town? Are they, do they have longer to stop and talk? My parents used to live up in country Victoria, so I used to visit, visit up there a fair bit, and there were long conversations, possibly too long, uh, in the in the supermarket queues, people talking about their, you know, sore backs or uh, kids with, uh, you know, injuries and stuff like that that you'd have to put up with to to get to the front of the queue, but. Uh, didn't notice a massive difference, but maybe the conversations were a bit more relaxed and less time sensitive. So people, wherever they may be, kind of a constant thing. Yeah, I was in Canada recently and mm. they were talking, you know, as freely and as loosely as, as anyone would in a major city of You're Melbourne. You're in Quebec. Yeah, I was in Quebec City, that's right. French? That's Predominantly French, for and sure. How is your French? Uh, not so great. So but how's it got your better. French eavesdropping? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I picked up some words. I knew when they were talking about me, that, um, which is probably all, all I needed to know. This strange person over there is listening yeah, to Yeah, what's he doing? <laughs> lingering there with an empty coffee. But... Yeah, it was great. And the English is, is available if you need it. Have you ever overheard something you wish you hadn't? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I, I do get a bit uncomfortable when people reveal too much. People do really hang their lives out to dry, you know, sometimes uh, in terms of laying it all out there, having some really heartfelt conversations on the phone, you know, their traumas, their sort of life stresses. Uh, and sometimes it's a little bit too much, to it's be honest. An I mean, it's an interesting <laughs> and, and paradoxical thing. Here you are sort of documenting the conversations of a city and yet when that happens, when someone is on their phone with another person, 
they're in no space at all, really, are they? They're in a, in, in a third environment. Yeah, well, my wife reckons that we should even ban conversations on the phone in the car hands-free because, you know, when you take a call when you're driving, even if it's through the car system, you forget the last three kilometres you've, you've driven. And so talking on the phone in, in any capacity just sort of stops time. But this must be an inc- a constant annoyance for you. Here are people quite close at hand, but in, a, in an environment where you can't hear them, possibly having fascinating conversations. <laughs> Stop yeah. talking in your cars, people. <laughs> yeah, bring it outside for the rest of us. <laughs> that is the thing about technology, isn't it? I mean, and, and perhaps it's the thing which is undermining our sense of our cities and the places in which we live, that it, it puts us into an anonymous anywhere yeah, it does, doesn't it? And for better or worse, and it comes back to the thing that you said that uh, cities are made of people, and that's 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 what it's about. Um, we're we're all about the the connections we make with friends and family, and and even strangers we meet. It's it's all about that human human connection mm. through technology or or otherwise. It's not necessarily that there's a park bench or or a public transport to take. Uh, it's it's about us and what we need to get off our chest or what we need to, uh, you know, reveal to the world consciously or unconsciously. I'm, I'm wondering, I'm just sitting wondering how, how, how different your work would have been if you were a Sydney observer, whether that is, is there a different conversational tone in that allegedly brash, quick city? Yeah, well, David Williamson does that well, doesn't he? Well, he's done yes. that well over his career, sort of plotting the different... Uh, Languages, maybe, uh, in terms of, or Englishes uh, of the two cities, uh, the Sun City and uh, and Melbourne and the comparisons and, and all that sort of thing. We'd bring you into this too, Brisbane, but... <laughs> yes. <laughs> another language and again. And Adelaide. And Adelaide. I mean, what's well, an interesting thing about, you know, our shared sense of Australian self, but with, with such wonderful and, and subtle regional difference. But very little uh, accent difference. But, uh, yeah, again, in Canada, people said, are there accents in, in Australia? And, you know, that's um, that's another big conversation, isn't it? But I would say there's not a lot, but let's take it to the next level, as you say, and is there a difference in what we talk about in these cities? Mm. Yeah, I mean, you would have to do a, a, a survey over a number of years to find that one out. I don't know. If you go to the western suburbs of Sydney or the valley in Brisbane or, you know, the outer suburbs, the northern suburbs of, of Adelaide, I don't know. Our concerns are probably pretty similar, I would suggest. Do you do, you do that geographically even within your, your hometown of Melbourne? Do you move socioeconomically around the place? Yeah, for sure. I make a point of going to new suburbs or places that I'm interested to explore, albeit briefly or whatever. And are the concerns universal? Uh, you head down to the, the rich suburbs of the bay and you, you pick up <laughs> different concerns. You He's know. out the Porsche for a fortnight. Yeah, that, that is real. I would admit it's, it's very, very real uh, and humorous. And the rest of the Melbourne, rest of Melbourne loves to hear that. To re- reaffirm those stereotypes, <laughs> and I and I live in 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 Footscray, which is a inner city but traditionally working class suburb, mm. and the 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 conversations that go on there, huge immigration that's happened there over the last uh, fifty years, uh, are very 
pedestrian, very down to earth, very sort of uh, open and uh, honest and um, kind of raw and but natural. Of course, but, but apart from your impeccable conversational French, you, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of other languages spoken on the streets of, of this town and in other Australian cities too. The English listener can be at a bit of a disadvantage. Yeah, sure. You go to Footscray Market or um, some of the markets in Sunshine in the far west of Melbourne and even out further to Tarnit uh, with huge uh, African communities. Um they are seriously, uh, beautifully different worlds out there um, in terms of language and conversation. Well, you have a lot to learn, you see. You must you must become conversational across a wide range of dialect. Yeah, I, I know a couple of languages in a very small part of them, but um, unfortunately none have helped me so far <laughs> connecting with these groups. <laughs> this is Oslo Davis. He's a, an illustrator and artist who has a, a love-hate relationship with the city of Melbourne based largely on the things that we say and that he hears. Sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, His new book is Oslo's Melbourne and you'll find that in shops in time for your, just in time for your seasonal deliberations. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app. 